Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hello, this is the Radioactive Show Produced in the studios of 3CR Radio On Wurundjeri Country of the Kulin Nation uh, Otherwise known as Fitzroy Melbourne I'm Emma Crunch and today I bring you a conversation with Tanganakald, Mayantank and Bowendick woman Irene Watson. I've been reading Irene's articles since my early law studies over a decade ago and I'm excited to share some of her ideas with our Radioactive Show listeners. Irene is also the pro-vice-chancellor at the University of South Australia, a First Nations representative to the United Nations and has been published widely in law, Indigenous and feminist journals. She speaks from her position as a First Nations person to critique and examine the colonial legal system here in Australia and particularly by questioning its attempts at recognition of Aboriginal relationships to land and their laws. So thanks for joining us for a chat, um, Professor Irene Watson, on the Radioactive Show. And would you like to start out, could you just introduce yourself and your country and where you come from in speaking to us? Yeah. Hello, Emma. Thank you for inviting me to speak on your show. I'm a Tanganakaard, Miantank, uh, Bowendick, uh, woman, I belong to the lands of those peoples. Uh, uh, my territory is the, includes the Coorong and the southeast of of um, South Australia. Mm. And I'm interested in having a chat about um, it's the legal system broadly, but also uh, the native title, so-called protection and heritage um and I know that you've written a lot on these topics and I've read that you've you've said that the doctrine of terra nullia still exists in this country called Australia and um I'm interested in how you think this is and how that's come to be when the popular view is that it was quashed in the in in Mabo in the 90s well, the the High Court decision in Marbo said it rejected terra nullius, and in part it rejected terra nullius with regard to Australian property law. That is, the, the Australian property law um, in in relation to the Marbo decision enabled what they called Aboriginal title, or uh, what the Commonwealth and the Native Title Act to follow up called native title Mm -hmm. and it's simply a title of a a beneficial um, use to the land it uh, it it doesn't enable uh, it's not a form of land rights as uh, many uh, Aboriginal peoples in in from from a long time or since the colonization and coming of Cook and the invasion 
have um, have in in different ways mm. advocated for in 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 uh, uh, in in the protection of country. So it's it's not a it's not a strong recognition. Mm. However, it's a a recognised form of title within Australian property law. How um, what I mean by terra nullius not being fully rejected relates to the very um, marginal recognition of um, of Aboriginal people's connection to country, and also a complete. Uh, 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 I guess a, a continuing terra nullius with respect to all other aspects of, of Aboriginal Aboriginal ways of, of, of being and living. That is, mm. you know, I mean, Mary Graham has famously sa- uh, said that, um, you know, First Nations peoples have been governing and managing this land forever, you know, for, mm. for thousands and thousands of years. So that very aspect of, of terra nullius is retained in that um, since the coming of Cook, the the Aboriginal management and governing of this country was discontinued. So it's that aspect of terra nullius that is alive and well. That is that the um, Mabo decision um, did not um, fully recognise the ongoing... Um, uh, Aboriginal laws and, and governance of, mm. um, of Australia. Mm. And this was, um, as stated in the Mabo decision, that the Australian legal system could not uh, um, give recognition to that um, uh, right of Aboriginal peoples to continue to govern and manage our lands because it would, ref- it would fracture the legal foundation of the Australian state. So in that sense, terra nullius is still alive and well, mm. and we have um, gained very, very minimal uh, recognition out of both the Mabo decision and also even lesser recognition in the subsequent Native Title Act. Mm. And in terms of... In, in fact, I'd even go, um, go further that... Under the under the the kind of um, the the construct of recognising Aboriginal title within a native title framework, the Native Title Act has opened up this process of Indigenous land usage agreements, which have been negotiated in in in, in diverse and different. Um, uh, regions across Australia with different First Nations peoples, um, a variety of Indigenous land usage agreements. And, you know, one which is topical is in relation to Adani, and I'm not going to uh, purport to, to say that I can speak of or for or on, on behalf of mm. the people, but, but of, of, of that area and who are going to be or who are resisting and will... Um, succeed in their resistance against whatever it is a no-brainer that you know this development has absolutely got to be stopped because it's just it's just crazy stuff you know Mm. to to, to be even thinking about a development project like that at at this time um, Mm. critical time on our planet but anyway 
Um, the point is, in, in, with regard to Indigenous land usage agreements, is that uh, an Indigenous land usage agreement, as I understand, was negotiated um, or considered as being negotiated. And so that opened up the floodgate of, of enabling state and developers to sort of tick the box of consent that Aboriginal people had consented to this. Now, this is disputed and um, and, and, and disputed and argued that the process was, uh, was unconscionable, was, was, was not proper um, from, from neither an Aboriginal perspective nor from within the very, very um, narrow kind of um, regime and framework of the Native Title Act. Mm, so, and that's um, so. So, um, just to follow on sure. with with that example, is yeah, I, I'm very. I, I've always been concerned about the, the problematic of Illuwas being used because we have, in one hand, this idea that Aboriginal rights have been recognised as native title, and then, in the other hand, opening up Pandora's box to. Uh, develop a process or construct a process of Aboriginal consent mm. to whatever. And, and this, this is occurring all over the country. And I've said um, in, in some of my writings that what we have here is, 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 is ecocide and genocide of peoples legitimised by the Australian legal system but parading that particular impact and effect of ecocide because you could not consider you know the as, as the example that I've given of a project like Adani going ahead and the, the potential that that would have upon native title you know first nations peoples of that region hmm. being anything other than ecocide and the genocide of um, of of human relationships hmm ongoing future sustainable relationships um, that would enable the ongoing identity of First Nations peoples in relation to that country. So it's, it's very... Native title is tricky business mm. because it parades as recognition, but it enables um, very, very um, uh, developments such as Adani. So... If, uh, if they're allowed to proceed in the way... That um, the state, that the state, both the um, the uh, the government and the opposition, who tends to be supporting this, are enabling at the moment. Mm. Yeah, that certainly is um, really topical and important to be talking about at the moment. You're listening to The Radioactive Show and a conversation between myself and Irene Watson, a Tanganakaud mine tank and Bowendik woman and professor and writer. Irene has mentioned the proposed Adani Carmichael mine and the fight by the Wangan and Jagalingu traditional owners to have their land and culture protected. This is a really current issue and for the flawed native title regime, as the federal government is attempting to pass its native title bill that would further lessen consultation requirements. 
And this bill has been nicknamed the Adani Act because it is believed to be pandering to Adani and its aggressive push to get a green light for the mega Carmichael mine in Queensland. To follow the issue, there's great info on the Wangan and Jagalingu website, which is wangan.jagalingou.com.au. And of course, those involved with the nuclear free movement will be only too familiar with attempts to bypass laws and consent. We only have to look at successive acts around nuclear waste disposal to confirm this. So let's get back to our interview and my next question for Professor Irene Watson. So is what you're saying suggesting that because at the moment it can be legally found within Native Title and the Indigenous Land Use Agreements for these types of outcomes um, that lead to such dispossession, that that's, it's a process that is glossing over what's actually happening or that it's um, it's difficult to find the words but I understand that it's almost... Well, 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 it, well it's a process that's enabling, uh, you know, just the absolute destruction of the environment, mm. um, drawing from an, a, a native title Indigenous land usage agreement process. Mm. Uh, so... How is that a recognition of a right? Mm. It's, it's a recognition of, of the right of a people to negotiate. Mm. But uh, with no possibility of a veto or of saying no. Mm. Um, so, yeah, treaty is one example. For North America, this is also occurring in, in um, a large number of places in, uh, in Canada as well, where there's been um, argued breaches of, of treaty rights, of treaty people's lands being uh, devastated uh, and uh, impacted upon by um, toxic developments on their lands and raises the question of what, uh, what's going on in terms of... Um, of recognition or breaching of, of, of treaty rights and the rights of peoples to, you know, live on country and to care for country for future generations. Mm. I mean, you know, one, one would assume that, that that would be key number one uh, concern and right that, that peoples would be wanting to safeguard in any agreement. Do you think that there are any international instruments or treaties or frameworks that can, um, I guess, bring some justice or broader condemnation to the practices of um, these colonised nation states? Or do you, as a, do you find um, hope in bringing your perspective as an Aboriginal person from within? Um, oh, yeah, look, 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 I'm... Um uh, we we have to have hope. Mm. You know, we if we care about the future of uh, of um, and 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 I understand we all do. We we of course we care about the the future and that future generations uh, are, are going to have drinking water, fresh drinking water to drink and and clean air to breathe. Um, of course we all care about this. We'd be 
uh, lunatics not to. So it's our obligation to be hopeful. I mean, we, ha- we, ha- we have to be hopeful. But we also have to um, be, be critical uh, in, in examining how current instruments work or don't work in, in ensuring that, that we will have um, a good supply of drinking water for the future. And, and I have to say that um, at Austra- uh, Australian law, environmental laws are very, 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 very weak. Mm. You know, people are already saying that Adani, uh, you know, to, to stop Adani or to stop the waste dump in, in South Australia, um, um, which um, we hope the state government um, um, has, has uh, will, will um, get the, the good sense to abandon because it's it's just um, it's it's just not sustainable in in uh, in terms of um, all of the First Nations territories where it's been proposed to, mm. to be built. Um, no one wants the dump. No one wants the dump. So. Uh, we we uh, and also in, in in my own situation with the southeast of South Australia, you know, fracking is is being mapped all across that region. Again, you know, why would we frack, frack land where we have a good supply of underground water? Why why would we risk it? Why 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 would we risk it when we know that water um, and, and water now is sacred, we should understand this. And we should also know that if we continue on this current trajectory, the very thinking, the, the very idea of water and having access to it is going to become an incredibly sacred and important commodity if we conti- continue on this, this um, negative traje- trajectory that we're on. So, look, I'm hopeful that the madness will end that we will um, we, we will create uh, strong laws in this country to prioritise this. That we'll get off this political kind of hurdy gurdy of um, of um, political rhetoric and you know and uh, and and this this current um, undemocratic system as it mm. gets played out practically. It's undemocratic because the majority of people. Would want this? Why would you not want to have strong environmental laws? Mm. You know, it's it's just um, and 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 we understand. You know, we our thinking is well. You know, because uh, most people are, are disconnected, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but really, at that baseline, mm. you know, that thinking of um, the future sustainability of our environment. Um, n- needs to come to the forefront and and be critical, and we need um, we we need to have democratic governance that ensures we have strong laws mm. to protect this. I know that, and we all know that First Nations have been here forever, and we have always had strong laws in terms of caring for country. Mm. So there's. There's a lot there in terms of Aboriginal people's um, ongoing um, uh, um, authority and law to continue to care for country in the Aboriginal way that we have, which ensures um, a future 
sustainable environment for all peoples. But mm. there's that there's that there's that um, terrenalius thing which um, which um, continues to reject uh, the recognition of um, of First Nations peoples' authority to continue to care for country because mm. of these overriding um, um, mechanisms such as native title, such as heritage protection, environmental laws that are weak and contradictory um, and put um, a, uh, a... view the natural interests through a kind of greedy... Um, out-of-balance corporate lens. So mm. uh, in yeah. the Australian context and in the international context, well, you know, it, it's just another layer of, of um, a, similar, a similar space, which is, which is difficult and tricky mm. and does not um, uh, enable proper protection um, of our environment. Mm. Yeah, I, thanks for sharing um, your wisdom and certainly I think for me one of the um, big learnings on country was when I travelled from Melbourne to some of the countries in South Australia and up with Uncle Kevin Buzzacott to the Mound Springs um, up in Arabana country and saw how the linkages between the waterways and mining and the those springs which were affected by the Olympic Dam uranium mine, which exactly as you've said, um, a blatant example of the law acting against um, everything that is important is the, I think, the Roxby Downs Indenture Act, which was, you know, mm-hmm. carved out to mm-hmm. almost explicitly um, cater to BHP and the uranium mines. So, well, that's correct. Mm, it was. It was, um, and it's um, it's unconscionable. Um, it, it's unconscionable of our um, parliamentary system to act in that way, because it uh, it, it 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 enables uh, uh, developments which are based purely on um, economic considerations and. Mm. Um, but they're economic considerations which are short-sighted, mm. that are short-sighted and don't don't take in the thinking of um, that needs to be taken into account. That is, what about future the, the future of future generations, mm. and what about now as well? You know, um, um, we we can't put a price um, or value the the, the value of. Um, of the right of, of people to access uh, water, um, mm. so it, it 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 it's disturbing, but we we need to remain hopeful because um, I think we have an obligation to. Mm. We can't, um, uh, and from from an Aboriginal perspective, life is cyclical. It is ongoing, and uh, we. Um, um, we, we 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 need to ensure this mm. people people can't give up because future generations are coming and we have an obligation to ensure that the that the little people who are coming in the future um, are, are able to share um, uh, share in the um, resources that 
we still, in some respects, have available to us now. Mm. So it, in, in that futurist perspective, um, we, we, we all need to do more. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's quite sobering, but um, I really appreciate that you've shared your perspective with us and also the reminder that um, hope is the only option really and I think framing it as an obligation is, yeah, really powerful. So um, thank you, Irene Watson, yeah, for you, chatting with us. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, um, everyone have a good day. That was Professor Irene Watson, a Tanganakal Mayantankan Boendik woman from the country around the Koorong in southeast South Australia. You can find some of Irene's writing online and I definitely recommend investigating her ideas further. I'm Emma and this has been another edition of The Radioactive Show. Our show is produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne on Wurundjeri country of the Kulin Nation and we're broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The track on today's show is Hearts Are Hungry by Eddie Donald and the Transients. Be sure to tune in next time, and here's to a nuclear-free future.
not negotiate with minor state of title government or anyone on, on our culture, on, on our land. You know, if people say, oh, you're going to finish up with nothing, well then so be it. But at least our hearts will tell us that we did not sell out our country and our culture and heritage for a few scungy dollars. Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. If you're too busy to listen to 3CR Live... Catch up on a podcast or audio on demand. At 3CR's website, www.3cr.org.au.